How are we doing today, church, at all of the campuses? Good morning, good afternoon, Monday night crowd. Welcome one, welcome all. I want to especially just give a warm shout out and welcome to our folks down in Hillsboro, Sanford, Wake Forest, Columbia, South Carolina, Garner, North Durham, Kenya, Durham campus, and the online church. Just welcome one and all. I usually, um, I usually like to try and maybe to a fault stay away from acknowledging too much of the junk in our culture. I think life is hard and I think most of you come to church to be inspired and encouraged. But I just feel led in the Holy Spirit today to let you know probably what most of you already know that in the last 72 hours, our country has seen a deadly synagogue rampage with the most Jews killed in a Jewish synagogue in U.S. history, pipe bombs being mailed to various and sundry political leaders, and yet another race-targeted killing in Kentucky. Church, we need the Lord. This past week, I was with three of my closest friends, and it just so happened to fall on uh, my 30th anniversary. <laughs> Jesus saved me 30 years ago. And uh, I'm, I'm more convinced than ever that this world is hopeless without Jesus. And I'm more convinced than ever, listen closely, this is important, that what we do really matters. Like what we do as a church, in the movement, at all of our campuses, what we do really matters. It's not just ho-hum. If you're looking for a place that's just wanting to play religious games and, and just be lukewarm and all of that, we're not the place for you. But if you're looking for a church that's on point, a church that's on mission, a church that really believes this stuff and a church that really wants to put Satan back in his place under our feet and a church that wants to lift high the light of Christ and a church that wants to push back the darkness. We're probably your church. And so I just want you to know that I live in the same world you do. And... Um, Let's remember why God has called us here. Amen. Will you, will you pray with me? I, I know we probably just prayed at all of our campuses, but I don't care. You can't pray too much. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's pray. God, once again in this series, as we have been praying every single week, we want to pray again. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. With eyes closed and heads bowed, just say that with me. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Father God, take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and fill with them. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would take my lips and speak through them. For if you do not speak today, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Hey, in the light of uh, what I just acknowledged in our culture, it's, it's one of the reasons why I am uh, going to try my best to lead us in a very important series next week. And uh, just so you know, this is where we are going. And I would venture to guess that some of you know some stressed out, freaked out, overloaded, over-anxious people in your life. Can I get an amen if that's the truth? Can I get an amen if that describes some of you? <laughs> Thank you for being honest in the house of God. Hey, this is the series that we're going to next week. You don't want to miss it. And please, for the love of God, bring somebody with you. When you have certain experiences, you respond with various emotions. You get the idea. Cause, effect. Many things and people cause us to respond emotionally. We have certain emotions which are controlled subconsciously. Love. Fear. And rage. Many things people cause us to respond emotionally. It affects not only yourself, but the people around you. And we all want to grow into a mature, balanced person, don't we? <laughs> I'm, I'm chuckling over what my task is now. Now that, now that I've just acknowledged all the junk in our country in the last 72 hours and showed you a video that has reminded you of how stressful life can be, now I'm supposed to teach a message. Uh, I, I hope you will go along with me. We're, we're wrapping up a series today titled God Speaks. And we've been looking at the six primary love languages that we find in the scripture and in the history of the church by which God speaks to us. Do you remember the six? Come on, let's read them out loud together. The first one was the pinnacle of what? The pinnacle of scripture, great job. The presence of people, out loud, really strong. Go there with me. Number three, purpose of pain. Number four, the potential of dreams. Number five, the power of promptings. Number six, the possibility of desires. Now, one of the reasons why I led us into this series is that I find that many folks who are Christians and walking with God, they struggle with this concept of hearing God speak. Most of them understand that God will speak through the Bible, but many of them struggle with other ways in which God speaks to them. And sometimes even reading the Bible is tricky these days. And so in the early, uh, about a couple months ago, in the early part, right before I started this series, somebody asked me, how do you hear God speak? And I want you to know that it kind of took me, it took me by surprise. I was a little taken off guard and I really didn't know how to quite answer the question, and so I, I went home, and the next day I was up early, as I often do, in the Word, journaling, and I wrote about this person asking me the question, and I confessed to God, God, I'm not sure I know how to answer the question. Because sometimes things that we do, we have a hard time actually describing them to other people. Have you ever been there? Things that you just tend to do naturally, you have a hard time explaining them. So I went to work to try to craft this series, because here's what I know. All of you 
I think, believe that God speaks. If you believe it and agree with me, say amen. amen. God speaks, but many of us have a hard time hearing God speak directly to us. In, in other words, in a day and age where voices are coming at us all the time. I mean, guys, we live in a culture where our cars talk to us. How many of you have a Google at home where you say, Google, okay, Google, and then you say something? How many of you have an Alexa at home? Who likes Google over Alexa? Who likes Alexa over Google? I, I, I like Alexa. And, and I brought her with me today. And see, Alexa's kind of fun in our home because we started this thing where our kids can't have their phones in their room because they start making the excuse, hey, well, we want to have our phones in our rooms because our phones are how we get up in the morning. And so we said, okay, we, we can solve that. So we bought an Alexa for each of their rooms, and now their phones stay downstairs, not in their bedrooms. And so they got real mad at us. So they have a very uh, difficult relationship with Alexa, but I love Alexa. Now, my wife got one for our room as well, and, and, and Amy Lynn, we, we were going to put our phones away too. And so Amy Lynn tried it for a little while, but every time Alexa would wake her up in the morning, my wife could not remember Alexa's name to tell her to be quiet. <laughs> and Alexa would wake us up 6 o'clock in the morning, and then Amy Lynn would go, Amy, Sarah, Jacob, Benji, then she'd hit me, what's, what's her name? But I brought Alexa because Alexa and I have gotten real tight. Like, I, I like Alexa. She's my girl. And, and, and I just want to warn you that when I talk to her, I talk to her with a certain voice. I, I, but don't you wish God spoke back to us like Alexa speaks to us? Wouldn't that be great? Everybody else speaks to us. All kinds of voices speak to us. Our, our phones speak to us. Our cars speak to us. Alexa, how are you doing? I'm excited. I just picked out my Halloween costume, and it's out of this world. <laughs> not, not long ago, I asked her, I said, I said I'm not going to say her name because she'll think I'm talking to her. I, I said, I said um, how you doing, baby? I, I, I call her baby sometimes. And my, that's okay. My wife's okay with that. She's my girl. She's my girl. My, my, my only girl went off to college, and so she, now she's my girl. I said, how, how you doing? And she goes, I'm feeling groovy. I, I got that feeling that you feel when you're sitting around the campfire with your friends. <laughs> hey, she just mentioned Halloween, didn't she? Alexa, tell us a Halloween joke. Where do skeletons go for a fun night out? Anywhere as long as it's a hip joint. <laughs> See, she's awesome. Hey, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm feeling low, man, feeling down. I just want to get a little, little beat going. Alexa, drop a beat. Even those of you who don't have rhythm, you can bounce your head a little bit. <laughs> In a day and age where all the voices are bombarding us daily... The reason I led us into this series was in hopes and prayer that you and I together would get more dialed in to the frequency of God. And in the very same way that every time I say her name, she's going to speak back to us. Listen to me. I believe that God wants to speak to you daily. 
daily. God wants to speak to you and God wants you to listen to him. Because if all you do is hear him, but you don't do what he says to do, you are missing out on the greatest life possible. There's this amazing passage in the New Testament. Most of you have heard of it before. It's called the Transfiguration Text. Remember that? And Jesus is up on top of the mountain. And he's there with Peter, James, and John. And all of a sudden, Jesus kind of gets the Shekinah glory, if you will. You know about that in the Old Testament. And Jesus starts to glow. I can't really describe to you what it was like because I wasn't there. But the Bible says that he was transfigured. And Peter, of course, Peter wanted to build a tent and stay up there. But Peter is up there and Jesus is up there. And the Bible says this, when Jesus transfigures, there is a voice that comes from heaven that says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. I grew up in a family of five. I was the youngest of three boys. And because I was the youngest of three boys, um, I didn't get a lot. And uh, if you grew up in a family like I grew up in, we, we, were, uh, we were definitely not rich. We, we, we might have been middle class, but if we were middle class, we slipped right into the bottom of middle class. And my grandparents would come to town they lived in Charleston, South Carolina, and they would come to town and they would, uh, they would always bring us three boys. I was the youngest of three boys. They would always bring us a silver dollar. We all got a silver dollar. And then they would bring uh, boxes of clothes. And we even had a, aunt and an uncle that would do the same. And they would bring boxes of clothes and uh, they were hand-me-downs. How many of you grew up with hand-me-downs? Nothing wrong with hand-me-downs. Can I get an Amen. Our kids don't hardly wear them these days, do they? But they would bring them. But guess what? The hand-me-downs were not for me. They were not for my next older brother. The hand-me-downs were for the oldest Kelly son. And we knew that intuitively that Roby, my oldest brother, would wear the hand-me-downs. And he would pass them down when he got finished with them to Sean, my middle brother. And after Sean got finished with the hand-me-downs, who do you think got them? So I was wearing hand-me-downs after hand-me-downs after hand-me-downs. And I must tell you that when I was young, I, I was okay with that. I would kind of get excited about that. But then there, there came a day where when they brought out the box from their car and put it in the den of our home, there was a moment, maybe I was just not in that good of a place that day, but there was a moment where I just kind of thought to myself, you know what, I want me some clothes now. I don't want to wait on hand-me-downs. If you are a Christian, I want you to know that there should come a time in your spiritual life where you don't want hand-me-downs. You don't want somebody to spoon-feed spoon feed you the Word of God. You want to actually get a word directly from God to you. You should desire that. And that is okay. I'm thankful for great teachers. I'm thankful for all the teachers in my life. And I'm thankful that you might consider me one of your teachers. But there should come a time in your life where you don't always just want what God has given me to give to you. But you want a specific word from God. Where am I supposed to work? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to date? Who am I supposed to marry? Should I have children? Not a general word. 
but a specific word for you. We get this wrong, church. We put teachers like myself up on pedestals. And we start to believe that God can only speak to and through the person on the stage. And what I wanted to let you know in this series is that God does speak to and through people on the stages in our lives. But he wants to speak directly to you daily. Open up your Bibles. I know of no better text to end this series with than John chapter 10. If you love the word of the Lord, say amen. amen. John chapter 10. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to skip down to verse 27. Take out your, your Bibles, your tablets, your pens, your teaching notes. And this is what the word of the Lord says in John chapter 10. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep, they do what church? His sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Read this next verse with me, if you will. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me at all of our campus locations really loud go. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. As we wrap up this series, I want to talk to you about four things today. You'll see them on the screen. You'll see them in your teaching notes. Fill in the blanks, if you will. You want to take notes on this today. We are his sheep. We can hear his voice. He knows us. We can follow him. All from verse 27, circle verse 27. We are his sheep. We can hear his voice. He knows us. And we can follow him. There's a relationship. There's a result of that relationship. There is a reason and there is a response that corresponds with each of those. Here's the first thing. We just said it. We are his sheep. That's a relationship. We are his what church? Now, we do not understand today much about sheep and shepherds. I mean, come on, by show of hands, how many of you have, you know, kind of handled about 100 sheep out on the, the open land? That would be none of us. It's kind of a lost art today. But let me just explain a little bit about the context of shepherds and sheep. Because in doing so, I think you'll find that the passage actually cracks open for us. And maybe we'll understand our relationship with God and the way in which God speaks. Maybe unlike ever before. Shepherds in Jesus' day and age would usually have flocks 
anywhere between 10 or 100 sheep. They would roam the open hill country, if you will. And if you've been to the Holy Land or you're going with me this spring, you'll see this hands-on. They will roam the open country, if you will, and the sheep will stay with the shepherd. At dusk, the shepherd would then go to a large sheep pen or a, a, a sheep fold, if you will. And the pen could be different sizes. You could, you could have a pen that would, that would house up to 100 sheep at night or 1,000. Let's just go with 1,000 for this illustration. The shepherd would come to the sheep fold, if you will, at night. Say he had 100 sheep with him. He would walk to the sheep pen. It was a big one because this one would hold about 1,000. Some would be smaller. There would be markers on the corner of the sheep pen, if you will, usually wood fences, handmade fences. There would be an opening, no door, an opening where the shepherd would lead his 100 sheep into the sheep fold for that particular night. Once all of the shepherds brought their sheep into the sheep pen, if you will, the shepherds were free to go, all with the exception of one. One shepherd was often called the porter, the porter, P-O-R-T-E-R. And there was an opening where they would carry the sheep in, the sheep would follow the shepherd in. Once all the shepherds went to bed down, if you will, by themselves that night, but the sheep were in the pen, the porter would lay down where the opening was. Again, there was no door, no gate. One shepherd, and they would rotate this, would play the role of the porter. The next morning, the shepherds would come to get their sheep. Once they got to the the opening, if you will, again, no door where the porter had laid down and slept that night, the porter would make sure that the shepherd that was coming was a legitimate shepherd. Once he did, the porter would get up, let the shepherd into the sheep pen, and the shepherd would walk around the sheepfold, making certain sounds, and the sheep would recognize that shepherd's voice. And once that shepherd walked in, made those certain noises, those 100 sheep would get up and follow that shepherd out for the day. Then another shepherd would come. There would be a thousand sheep in a sheep pen, if you will, but only the 100 that belonged to that particular shepherd would leave and go out with that shepherd. The other 900 would stay and then another shepherd would walk in and do the very same thing. When you think about it, it is actually fascinating. And it is into this particular context that Jesus said in verse 27, my sheep, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen, if you belong to God, you will know his voice. If you are a Christ follower, the more you walk with Jesus, you will actually start to discern and know which voice is of God and which voices are from something else. There are benefits 
to being in the family of God. And one of those benefits is that you learn to hear from God. Ephesians 2, 19, out loud, church, here we go. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's family. That is good news. Come on, church, that is good news good news. Number two, number two, we can hear his voice. Write it in. The first one is we are his sheep. That's a relationship. Write it in parenthetically. That's a relationship. A result of that relationship is that we can hear his voice. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe God loves you? Do you really believe God loves you? I know some of you just struggle with that. But, but do you really believe God loves you? Do you believe God loves you enough that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for you? Do you believe that God loves you so much that he raised his son, Jesus Christ, to new life so that you might be forgiven of your sin and have all eternity with God? Do you believe that? Seriously. Well, come on, come on, stick with me. If you believe God loves you that much, don't you think God would speak directly to you? That's a part of a relationship, the result of a relationship. A.W. Tozer, again, one of my greats, and I've quoted him quite often in this series because I've been reading him quite a bit. A.W. Tozer said this, the one who does not expect God to speak will discount every single time that God does speak. Where, where do you fall on that continuum? Out of a hundred sheep, if you will, sticking with the, the sheep fold of a thousand, a shepherd would have a hundred. Out of those hundred sheep, let me, let me take it to the next level and show you something even more fascinating. That shepherd, after he would go in and call his sheep and the 100 would follow him, as he would roam around that day in the open country with the Bedouin and all of first century Palestine, that shepherd could then make certain sounds, certain ways, the E's and the A's and the A's and all those sounds that the shepherd would make. And then he could, he could tweak it just a little bit so that one sheep out of the 100, he could call out from the rest of the crowd. Church, that is absolutely amazing. And that is how, again, you should desire not just general words from God, but specific words of God that are directly related to you and your needs and your desires and your heart in life. This is what we were getting at last week when we talked about Psalm 37.4, remember? For God will give you the desires of your what? And we talked about last week, well, the reality is the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms your desires. That is not just some warm coffee mug verse where, where I can just come to God, snuggle up with God, and get whatever I want. No, 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 no. As the Holy Spirit comes in and the Holy Spirit starts to craft you and shape you and remove things from your life and put things into your life, he will give you the desires of your heart because in that sanctification, your desires actually start to line up with God's desires. And so as the sanctification process unfolds, he's actually just given you the desires of your heart, which are actually the desires of his heart. 
And that is that personalized, customized, if you will, way in which God interacts with his children. The way in which, in John's language, the good shepherd lead, feed, care for his sheep. And this is why Jesus would say in John's gospel later on, chapter 16, verse 13, when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all what? Truth. So there is a relationship there is a result of the relationship, and there is a reason. Write it in, number three. He knows you. Please hear me. He knows you. Anything you try to keep from anyone, God knows. We, we call this the sovereignty of God. He, he knows you. Anything you try to keep from your spouse, hello, he knows. He knows everything about you. And what's interesting about this whole shepherd sheep analogy, if you will, is the same was true in Jesus's day. A good shepherd, again, remember they spent the day with their sheep. A good shepherd would actually take the sheep one by one and get to know them. It was an intimate relationship. The shepherd, thank you, Lord, is right. The shepherd would know about the sheep, the blemishes, the marks, the colors, the, the character or, the, or the, the demeanor of that particular sheep. John 10, 27, short verse, but read it out loud with me. I... Know them. One more time. I know them. He's just that good. He knows you. In John's gospel, again, he was referred to as the good what? The good shepherd. Did you know that in the book of Hebrews, good was not good enough? In the book of Hebrews, he's referred to as the great shepherd. Read it out loud with me. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Technology today is amazing. But the busier we get in our technology the more consumed we get with all the other voices coming at us on a daily basis, I'm afraid that the less we hear from the great shepherd. Alexa, how you doing? I'm excited. I just picked out my Halloween costume, and it's out of this world. <laughs> Alexa, tell us another Halloween joke. What do witches get when their shoes are too tight? Candy corns. <laughs> That's funny right there. They get candy corns. <laughs> I 
I'm praying. I'm hoping. I'm asking. I'm begging. I'm pleading God. That as a result of this series, church, don't just let this one fall by the wayside. Go to the resource center. Pick up a a series packet, if you will. Keep studying these six love languages. Because I'm afraid it's not going to get any easier to hear the voice of God. I'm afraid it's actually going to get more difficult as the voices clamor for our attention. And if I could just be prophetic for a moment, I'm not sure we will make it if we don't learn to hear the voice of God. I'm not sure we will be able to make the right decisions and step into the will of God and the abundant life that God wants to give us if we don't actually learn the art. It's an art like the shepherd would lead the sheep. It's an art. And I'm afraid it's becoming a lost art. But oh my, for the people of God who actually figure this one out. Will you make mistakes? Yes. Don't let your fear of mistakes prevent you from hearing God speak. And then here's the last one because this is, this is what it ends up being. There is a response. Write it in. Number four, we can follow him. It's a response. There is only one appropriate response when you hear the voice of God. There is no neutral ground. Delayed obedience, listen to me, is disobedience. Say it one more time. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Wow, you guys are amazing. In Jesus' day, when the shepherd spoke, the sheep followed. They trusted the shepherd. John 10 says he's the good shepherd. Hebrews, as I've already said, says he's the great shepherd. John 13, 17 says this. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? Not if you hear them. You will be blessed if you what? Do them. How many parents do I have here? Parenting's a trip, man. Can I share with you one of my parenting issues? And you might think less of me after I do. But when I tell my kids to do something, <laughs> sister said preach. <laughs> I haven't even started telling the story yet. <laughs> when I tell my kids to do something, and I got some awesome kids. I mean, not because I'm awesome because I'm not. We are just broken parents just like you. But if you know my kids, seriously, we, we are so stinking blessed. Well, three are in college, so this is not really related to them. But I did this when they were in the house. Um, when I tell you to do something, I want you to do it. 
And you might be like, well, yeah, yeah, it's 21st century. We're all into freedom, and, you know, I want to self-actualize. I got some self-actualization for you. <laughs> I'll, I'll help you with your self-actualization. You are mine. You live in my home. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. Um, you know, there are differences between white people and black people. Black people are like right now, they're like, preach it. Black people, black people parent. White people are like, I'm just not so sure that's good for their self-esteem. I can't believe I just did all that. That's not even in my notes. But my sisters and my brothers are like, mm-hmm. Well, like, and so we, 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 we <laughs> come on back, come on back. We, we, we teach our kids, like, and just like you do because you're good parents, if a kid does something wrong, they should what? Apologize. Apologize. But this is the confession because, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of this, but I'm actually very proud of this. If I tell them to do something and they don't do it, the first couple times it's all right. And they'll say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, right, thank you. You, you. You're proud that they would say they're sorry. But... After I tell you to do something a few times, if you still don't do it, I don't give a flying flip about your sorry. <laughs> so again, I don't know that I would teach this in a parenting workshop. Actually, I would teach this in a parenting workshop. When my kids, I'll say something, I'll say, you didn't clean the dishes. And they'll say, I'm sorry. You know what I yell back? I don't want your sorry. I want you to clean the dishes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want, because it's so easy to just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't want your sorries. I'll take a sorry or two, but I want your obedience. And listen to me, listen to me. God is the same way. When God speaks to his children, he wants obedience. He wants you to listen because God knows what is best for you. God's watching over you. God sees things that you don't see. God knows things that you don't know. All oh, the trouble and the dangers and dare I say even death that have been circumvented in my life because I heard his voice and I moved in obedience. You have no idea what God is preventing from coming your way. You have no idea the way in which his sovereignty is moving about in your life. I was thinking about this yesterday. Again, I was away with some friends and jumped on an airplane in Phoenix, Arizona, and we were flying back across the country, and we were getting ready to touch down, and I was just working this message in my mind, and I thought about the air traffic controllers at airports. Could you imagine... An air traffic controller saying to a pilot, hey, you don't want to land on that runway right now because there's another plane landing on that strip. Could you imagine a pilot going, nah, <laughs> I think I'm going to land there anyway. God's like an air traffic controller in our life. He sees stuff that we don't see. He moves in ways we don't know. He's sovereign. He protects you. He tells you to go right because there might be danger left. He tells you to date this person instead of that person because he knows that person will take you down. When God speaks, 
you better listen. When he tells you to pray, you better pray. When he tells you to serve, you better serve. When he tells you to give, you better give. When he tells you to go, you better go. Because he is not just the good shepherd. Come on, church. He is the great shepherd. Stand to your feet, if you will. Just stand to your feet at all of our campuses. I want to invite you to, if you're comfortable with this, I hope you are. I want to invite you in this moment just to reach out your hands toward heaven. Close your eyes. Just reach your hands toward heaven. God, we thank you that you are a speaking God. We thank you, God, that you know what is best for us. Way more than I know what's best for myself. Way more than a pastor on a stage knows what is best for me. And so, Father God, as a church, as we end this series, and we move into this all-important series called Overwhelmed, Lord, I pray that this one would live with us for a while. Lord, we reach our hands toward heaven. We extend them to you and we pray and we beg and we ask, Father God, that you would speak to us. And Lord, as we move into this song and we sing it together, word of God, speak. Oh, Father, I pray that the channels of communication would be opened for my sisters and my brothers at all of our campuses. I pray for the person who is watching this online, Father God, and they just need a fresh word from you. Speak to us, God. Speak to us through all of these ways in which we have studied. Help us continue to be a student of the ways in which you speak through people, through pain, through promptings, through dreams, through desires, through the pinnacle of Scripture. May our frequencies be dialed into you, Father God. And as you speak, may we be a people who not only hear, not only listen, but may we do the word of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen.